So in-laws, um, I know, um, that's kind of the same reaction I got at nine o'clock. It's, it is, um, okay, it's a big problem for, for a lot of people. Not me, of course. I love my, my wife's mother-in-law, but it's, Statistically, though, seriously, like they surveyed all of these, all of these couples, and uh, this Cambridge uh, University psychologist said that three out of four couples experience significant conflict with their in-laws. But there was a difference between men and women. Twenty percent of men had issues with their father-in-laws. Eighty percent of the women had problems with their mother-in-laws. Charlie really thought that was funny. Which is funny on a lot of levels, um, but but so so the, the the great theologian George Burns, he said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close knit family in another city, and there's a reason that that's funny because it is so true. So we're in this series called Hidden Heroes, and we're going through the Bible, picking out some folks that you don't hear much about, but they had significant influence in their world, and behind the scenes did some pretty incredible things for God. And what we want to do is learn from them. So, so today's character is this guy named Jethro that you might be familiar with. It's funnier than that, come on. Come on, it's, it's funnier than that. That's, I know that's not the Jethro we're talking about. This is the Jethro we all have in our mind right here is the one where Charlton Heston um, met with Jethro, his father-in-law, because the truth of the matter is I saw this movie before I read about this in the Bible. So in, in my mind, this is what I think of when I think of Moses and his father-in-law Jethro because this is an actual photo taken from their first meeting. So we're actually in the tent of Jethro here. But that's the, that's the Jethro that I have in my mind whenever I think of, of this father-in-law of Moses. So Jethro was the father-in-law of Moses is where we're going here. And you probably have heard of Moses. Moses was uh, an incredible leader in the Old Testament. Uh, you can take his life and break it up into three different segments of 40 years apiece. The first 40 years, he was a prince in Egypt. And there's a whole great story that goes behind that. And then he killed a man and he fled Egypt in fear and he ends up on the backside of the desert in the land of Midian and he spent 40 years herding sheep. H-E-R-D, not H-U-R-T, herding sheep. Then the, ne- the last 40 years of his life, he is leading the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt in the wilderness uh, to get to the promised land. So he meets, at the beginning of his second phase of life, he fled Egypt, he meets this guy Jethro, and and we're first introduced to Jethro in Exodus chapter 2. He was a Midianite, and the Midianites were a polytheistic bunch of folks, which meant that they believed in many gods. You didn't have to specify a particular one. He's referred to as the priest of Midian, which is really interesting. So in, within his immediate influence, he was kind of a spiritual leader. He is also called in Exodus, Reuel, which has 
an, a literal translation as the friend of God. And so he, it's used interchangeable. But he's not the only person in the Bible who was given two names. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's Jacob and Israel. There is Saul and Paul. There's Simon and Peter. There's Matthew and Levi. They, they have names interchangeable. But we're not sure if this was just like a brand new name that people would use interchangeable. Or it could have been like a last name. Like, I don't know which would have come first, Jethro or Raoul or Raoul and Jethro. But the idea was that that was who he was known as. And what I love about the story of Jethro and Moses in particular is that his interactions with Moses and Moses' family addresses for us the tension that really does exist in dealing with family, an extended family. And it can even be a great lesson for those of us in the family of God or those who have people in our lives that feel like family. He's the father-in-law of one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, and he handled it very well. In fact, Jethro was a role model for healthy familial relationships. And I think it's important for us to, to, to realize that even though we're going to read through some scripture here, that these were real relationships that they had with real people, and they dealt with a lot of the same problems that you and I have. So I don't know where you are this morning and who you would consider family. You may be um, um, not even married yet, but you have family relationship with somebody. You may just have some really good friends. And so as the family of God, I would like to look to Jethro as an example of familial relationships because as far as we can tell, he was a really great in-law. I mean, that's the truth. He was a really great in-law, which seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? There's a reason why we use the term in-law and outlaw interchangeable a lot of times because it really does seem to create conflict. And I realize a lot of it is because of unmet expectations or presumptions that we make. And so let me help you with something. Wherever you are, if you are the daughter-in-law, if you are the son-in-law, or if you are that father-in-law, or if you're the cousin, or if you're the best friend to the one who feels like a sister, these principles that we're going to learn from Jethro are so applicable because they help you on a very real level be able to have a relationship that has influence with somebody else without taking it to this level of overstepping, which happens far too often. So there are three occasions where we see Jethro in Scripture, and they're all in the book of Exodus. You have Exodus chapter 2, and that is when Moses fled from Egypt and ends up on what the Bible refers to as the backside of the desert, the land of Midian. And he, he's at a well, and he meets Jethro's daughters there. The Scripture tells us he had seven daughters, and he helps them water their flocks. And so he ends up going to Jethro's tent and Jethro invites him in and they begin to have conversation. And so Jethro finds out more about this stranger. He feeds him a meal. And then eventually Moses marries Zipporah and he stays with Jethro for 40 years until he's 80 some years old and he's herding sheep. And then 
he sees the burning bush, and that's when God calls him at 80 years of age to go and let my people go. I, I'm in my own world up here, people. You just, you, just get to, you just get to witness it a little bit. So God calls Moses from the burning bush to let my people go, and so he goes to his father-in-law and explains the situation to him, and that's where we see the second time we hear about Jethro, and that's in Exodus chapter four, um, where, where he gives him his blessing to go back to Egypt, and he lets him go back to Egypt after being with him for 40 years, and then the last time we see Jethro was in chapter 18 of Exodus, which is what we're gonna read from this morning, where after the people of Israel have been delivered. Moses is in the wilderness near the mountain of God with all the people of Israel, and Jethro comes to him, bringing back to him Zipporah and his two sons. So somewhere in there, because Moses left Jethro with Zipporah and the two sons, somewhere in there, Moses handed them off to Jethro as he was delivering them from Egypt, and then here he is at the Mount of God doing what Moses was doing with all of these millions of people, and Jethro comes to visit him, and he brings back to him Zipporah and his two sons, and that's where we kind of jump in here with Exodus chapter 18. So that's the background, that's the history, that's the story, that's the situation, that's where we are right now. And so at Exodus chapter 18, Jethro has already reintroduced himself. The family is all back together again. They're all caught up. They've gone into each other's tents, which is what they do in that Bedouin culture. They catch up on each other's lives, and they retell stories that have been told a dozen times, and they find out where each other are in life, and all of that's been done, and now the next day, this all happens, starting in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 18. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat down to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw, I love the fact that he's observing here, all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for my people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? So then Moses explains himself in verse 15. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because, maybe not how he said it, I'm just a little too much empathy. He said, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. This is just, like in my mind, this is such a great situation. So, so think about this. If, if, you, if you continue reading in Exodus, in chapter 19, you have God calling Moses to go up to the mountain of God to receive from God the Ten Commandments. In chapter 20, we're in verse 18, we're in chapter 18. In chapter 20, you have Moses coming off of Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. Can you picture it? Watch the movie. <laughs> you don't even need an imagination when, when you have the movie. And so he comes off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. So what is, what is it that Moses is doing here in chapter 18? He is giving them the commandments of God as he sees them from God. And so all these people, they estimate could have been up to two million people, fled Egypt with Moses that are wandering around the wilderness and they're camped out here by the mountain of God. 
And they're coming to Moses to hear what God has to say and what God's judgments and commandments are. So then here was, here was how Jethro responded to Moses' explanation. So Moses' father-in-law said unto him, the thing that you do is not good. He's not saying it's bad. He's saying it's not beneficial. Like you're, you're not doing yourself any favors by doing this all yourself. Verse 18, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. Can you identify with that? Like, Moses, you can't handle this much all the time. And you're going to wear them out as well. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. So then Jethro makes a suggestion. So Jethro shares with him the thoughts that he had about the situation that he was in. And then he offers a suggestion as to remedy the problem. He says, Moses, what I think you should do is you should go to God and you should bring all of the difficulties to him and then get from God what the people ought to do. And then you should divide the people up and you should have leaders over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. And let them judge on the day-to-day. So you bring from God to the people all the big commandments, the big principles. And then you set these men up to lead the people and make those decisions on your behalf in lieu of what God has, has commanded them to do. And then the difficult cases, you handle them personally. And that way, you'll last a long time and so will your people. And so look at how Moses responds. This is the beautiful relationship I'm talking about. This is how Moses responds in verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law. Wow. And did all that he had said. And Moses, so, so Jethro had a way. Moses did everything his father-in-law told him to do. He must have had a good relationship. Jethro must have done something to earn the right to speak into his life like this. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of ten. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. And I love the way chapter, chapter 18 ends. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. And we never hear from Jethro again. But what an impact Jethro had in a lot of ways here. The the, the survivability of Moses increased. And could it be that part of all of this led to what happened in chapters 19 and 20? I mean, it is really significant, I think, what we can learn here. So as we kind of go behind the scenes, I don't want to read into this text. Like, I don't want to make stuff up. It's, it's, if, it's, if it's in the movie or you read it in Scripture, it's, it's the truth. I'm not going to add anything else to it. But there is, there is enough here, I think, enough indicators that, that God gives us in Scripture that can help our relationships with each other. So if you have, if you have an in-law, if you have an adult child, if you are that adult child, 
are there some principles that seem to give them a better relationship? I think there is. So as we look at the life that Jethro lived and his interactions with Moses, what can he teach us about doing family well? I think the first thing he can teach us is he shows us the importance of community. Jethro understood the importance of community. And I, I don't want to... I don't want to overemphasize this, but I also don't want to just let it sit there in your lap and you think, well, I know what community is all about. Listen, we are not made to go through life alone and independent of everybody else. But culturally, that seems to be acceptable. Like, I want to stand on my own two feet. I don't want to be dependent upon anybody else. I want to be self-sufficient. But God said in the book of Genesis, when he made man, he saw man all by himself, and he said it is not good for man to be what? Alone. And there is, there is a principle there that we are designed, we are created to do life together with other people. And let me tell you this, you can be in a crowd like this and be very alone. Because, because relationship is not just about proximity. And I think our churches have become a place where it's very easy to be alone in a crowd. That's why I feel so, so passionate about us getting connected with each other through community groups. Because we need to be in relationship with each other. We are designed that way. And he understood the importance of community because Satan wants you to be alone. You're more vulnerable when you are alone. So what did that look like? What, what did the sense of community look like to Jethro? What do we find in Scripture that, that shows us what community looked like? The first thing that we see is that he invited Moses into his home. He's the stranger on the backside of the desert. Moses helps out his girls, and he wants to learn more about Moses, so he invites Moses into his home. He showed hospitality to Moses. When was the last time you had somebody over to the house? When was the last time you, you had a meal with somebody? When was the last time you invited somebody in to your life in a personal way like this. He invited him into his home. I just ordered a book that I'm, I'm about to read called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And there is such a truth there that relationships begin when you invite people into your life. We are okay with arm's length relationships but we need some relationships in our lives that know more about us and hurt with us and feel with us. That's what we have been created. That's how we one another, each other, is by loving well and bearing each other's burdens. But we are so good at faking our life as long as we can keep everybody at arm's length. But Jethro brought him in. That's the Lord communicating to somebody right now. Let's pray for that soul. God brought him. Yeah, you see that on your phone. You'll answer it, right? So he invited Moses into his home. Also, I love this. He just showed up. Like, like Jethro showed up. He was present. And I know it takes work. I know if you're going to invest in someone's life and earn the right to have influence, you've got to be present. You have to show up. You've got to go to the soccer game. Worst thing in the world to watch as a parent. 
Like, I mean, I, I love my babies. I, I, I do. <sighs> but two hours of watching Magnet Ball. <laughs> you know, it's just not the funnest thing in the world. But you show up. You go to the birthday party. You go to the dinner. You show up. You make an investment in their life by being present. Yeah, it takes effort, sure. But that's how you foster community, by inviting someone into your home, by, by showing up, by being present. And then he helped in practical ways. So how did, how did Jethro display the importance of community? He helped in practical ways. There were things that he was able to do to really help Moses. He gave him a job. He let him marry his daughter. He worked with Moses for 40 years. He watched Moses' family while Moses went to go do what God had called Moses to do. He helped in practical ways. Hey, listen, this was more than just spouting off advice. He did practical things that helped Moses in practical ways. We're not so interested in what you have to say. We'd love to see what you are willing to do. That is how you emphasize the importance of community. Well, I don't know why my kids don't do what I say. I don't know either. Maybe it's because you're a jerk. Maybe it's because they're a jerk. I don't know. But maybe it's not what you say that they need to hear. Maybe it's what you do that they need to imitate. And maybe that'll do a lot to help the relationship because he understood the importance of community. Not only did he understand the importance of community, but he, and I love this point. I wrote the sermon, so I should, but I really like this one. What he did for Moses felt a lot like love. So, so can I, can I, under, I, hope, I hope you understand this. I'm not saying that what you are doing for somebody else is not motivated by love, but does it matter if they don't feel like it was? Do you see what I'm saying? Like you can even convince yourself, well, I did it for their own good. Well, I only had their best interest at heart. If they would just do what I said, they would, but do they feel that? No. Because of the way that you're approaching the situation, because of what you have not done to invest in their life, to earn you the right, to say what you want to say, even if you are right. What Jethro did in his relationship with Moses felt like love, and it really made a difference in how Moses responded to him. He acted from a place of love and concern, and we can sometimes convince ourselves that what we are doing is out of love, but it doesn't feel that way to them. So how did Jethro do what he did to show Moses that he loved him. First of all, he was generous. Like he was generous. So, by, by the way, it was not an equal relationship. It wasn't like, I'm gonna help you with this or I'm gonna pay for this or I'm gonna do this act of love for you so that I can then remind you about it later and get some mileage out of this. But that's how we do so often. Like, it, it's almost like we're trying to make an investment in ourselves by doing something for them. Like, I'm going to do something nice for you. 
And in my mind, I'm thinking that's going to make you feel like uh, you owe me something. But that's not the way that I see Jethro being here. Jethro was generous, kind of like God is with us. Like generous, like he first loved us, right? That's what Paul tells us in the scripture, that, that we love God because he first loved us. And sometimes giving generously doesn't benefit you at all. It just benefits the other person. But here's what I love. I jotted this down. When you love well, the giving is enough. And when you give expecting something in return, there's a string on it, there's a hook to it, then you are not loving well. And if you plan to use that later, you're not loving well. And if you've been on the receiving end of that kind of love, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Loving well means that the giving is enough. Like it makes me feel good enough just to be able to do that giving. He didn't feel like a debt needed to be repaid. He truly was happy just to have the giving. So he was generous. And this is also how he made it feel a lot like love. He was humble. Man, we need more of this in our relationships. His advice didn't feel like arrogance. I know you're twice as old as they are. I know that you have already been where they are now. And you're probably right. You probably do know more than they do. You're probably better at that. But if it comes across like arrogance, it can kill whatever help you are trying to provide. I hope you're listening. Like this is, this is not just for in-laws. This is for friends. This is for wives. This is for children. This is for anybody a part of the family of God. Like when your advice sounds like arrogance, it becomes ineffective and it creates resentment. Because even though you may be really good at that, I don't want to hear it if I don't feel like you are saying this from a place of love. And if I don't feel like you're giving it to me because you really want my best interest, I don't really want to hear it. I'm really torn. I love using illustrations, okay? But if I use illustrations personally in a sermon like this, what do you do with that? I'm either going to make myself look really good or I'm going to embarrass people, namely me. But I know you've lived more life. But is there any humility in you? I mean, so, so here's what I love. In, in, um, in uh, verse 11, I think of chapter 18, when, when, he, when Jethro hears all of the story of everything that happened about God delivering the people of Israel, he says these three words, now I know. Like, I get it. You know what that is? That's a teachable spirit. He was teachable. Are you teach? Yeah, I know you're twice as old as we are. That'd be saying something because I'm 52. I know that you have more experience. 
But if you want people to feel like what you are saying is from a place of care and concern, you need to still be teachable. When was the last time you said, I didn't know that? And you weren't actually surprised. (laughs) Well, I didn't know. Wow, there's something I don't know. My dad told me one time, everybody can teach you something. I believe that. But sometimes you get so good at life that you stop being teachable. And let me tell you, if you're not a teachable person, there's not much God can do with you except use you as a lesson for somebody else. Teachability. Are you still teachable? So it was, it was Jethro's teachability. Like, I am still learning. Wow, now I know. I get it. Okay, I see. That caused Moses, I believe, to be like, I want to listen to what this guy has to say. Are you teachable? And he was also careful. So he was generous. He was humble. And he was careful. He tried to understand before offering a suggestion. You see in what we read earlier that he, he saw, he watched what was going on. And then I love this. He was asking questions of Moses to try and explain the situation to him. By the way, that is like one of the largest pieces of relational advice I can give you is to ask questions and learn to understand the individual. If they vote differently than you do, if they end up on the other side of an issue as you are, or if they want to do something that you don't agree with, rather than posture up and become defensive, why don't you ask questions? Because you say, I just don't understand how come my children, well, if you don't understand, then you need to learn. Did you hear yourself? I don't understand. Does that mean that you're the one that needs to be educated? And the way to educate, I know this is difficult. Do you hear how quiet it is right now? Maybe you need to learn where they're coming from. I don't know what conversation you need to have, but when was the last time you said, oh, I I, I didn't know that? But you're so arrogant. You couldn't imagine yourself ever saying that because you'd be so embarrassed. Well, then how teachable are you? Can God do anything in your life if you're not, being, if you're not willing to continue learning now? In your relationship with your friends, in your relationship with your spouse, thank you for that. I didn't know. Okay, I'm good. Remain teachable. What he did, his interactions with Moses felt a lot like love. And I just think that's such a critical factor for his ability to influence Moses and consequently the people of Israel. And then we'll finish up with this. He helped without overstepping. Now, I, I, I don't know where that line is, but you've probably discovered it, right? I don't know where that line is, like where you, you maybe help too much and now, okay, now, and it may change. It might be a moving line depending on what your relationship is. But he mentored Moses without meddling. Did you see all the M's I put in there? That's just like a pastor's dream right there. He mentored Moses without meddling. I love that. Anyway, you don't love me. You don't appreciate me at all. You don't get any of this cleverness right here. You just, 
I'm just up here. All, God, it's just you and me. I get it. <laughs> but he stepped in when he was needed and then got out of the way. Because here's, here's, here's what I'm afraid of. I think we feel like it's up to us to alter their behavior. And we don't realize that our job is to partner with God to do what God wants in their life. If you didn't hear anything else, you should have heard that. It's not your job to change their behavior. It's your job to create an environment that you can have influence so you can work with God to do what God wants in their life. Because you might be wrong. I hate to tell you that. There's a good chance you're wrong because you ain't God. And so God, how should I respond? How can I help you work in their life? So help without overstepping. So as a result of this, this is what I love. As a result of this, Moses trusted him with his family. He trusted him with his family. Will you watch my wife and my two boys while I go do this? He trusted Jethro with his family. And Moses valued him and his advice. I want to be valued. I want somebody to take all of my life experience and, and everything that I think that I know and gain value from it so that they don't make the same stupid mistakes that I made. And as I am trying to speak into someone's life, that's what I'm looking for. I'm wanting to be valued for the experiences of life that I've had. That's called influence. And Moses valued Jethro's advice. He didn't just value him as a person. He valued the advice he gave. And finally, he empowered Moses to be a better Moses. He didn't try to make Moses more successful in his eyes. He's like, I don't know why you don't put in for that promotion. I don't know why you don't make as much money as your brother. I don't know why you don't want to better yourself in your career. I don't know why you're not doing a better job at this. Jethro wanted Moses to be the very best version of Moses that God had in mind. Because, because God had a different priority for Moses than getting a bigger herd of sheep or more tents to live in or a few more camels. God had a different kingdom mindset for Moses. And I think we have to be careful with our family friends and our familial relationships that we don't place expectations on them that aren't from God. They're from your biased worldly view of what you think success is. So the result of Jethro's willingness to see what God was doing in Moses' life was that he empowered Moses to be a better Moses. And he handled his influence in a very gracious way. So I don't know what influence you have with other people, but we all have influence. I believe this. I believe God has placed people in your life for a reason. So, so, so I bet if, we, if I gave everybody a card with 10 lines on it. I think that you could write 10 names on there of people that you have influence with. Maybe it's a neighbor. 
Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's the waitress that you see at the particular restaurant that you like to go to, that you think she does a good job, so you always ask for her. But if I gave you a card, could you give me 10 names of people that you feel like you have some influence, not over, but with, like, like you feel like they are in your world? If that's the case, those are the people I believe these principles are for. If we are having influence, you don't have to be an in-law But these are your world. This is the family that God has given you to be grace-filled with, to earn the right to speak into, to have influence over. How did Jethro do it? He invited them into his home. He, He developed a sense of community. He did what he did out of love, and he felt what he did out of love, and he helped without overstepping. And I think it made Jethro a great father in law And I don't know who is on your list mentally right now. But if there's areas of conflict or you feel like they are not listening to you or they're not doing what you think, maybe it's time for you to back off and let God do something there. And you check yourself. And if you're the daughter-in-law or you're the son-in-law, maybe just start to let God work in their life as well. And the whole idea of teachability and humility and graciousness applies to us as well. I love the fact that God used this Midianite, this polytheistic father-in-law to help Moses at a critical time in his life to do what he did for God and become one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. And God used him in a great way to influence Moses at the right time. And that's what we want to do. Influence people for the kingdom of God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we, we love you and we are looking forward to the relationships that are going to continue to grow. But help us not to sabotage them by our own arrogance. And help us to humbly be generous and gracious and helpful. Help us to build community with those we love. And help us to be be mindful of the fact that you are the one doing the work in their life. And help us to partner with you to reach them for Jesus Christ and for the betterment and the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Help us to be humble. Help us to be teachable. Help us to show grace and help us to love well. In Jesus' name, amen.